y'all it's your girl maria the spiritual homegirl and we are back with another episode of the spiritual homegirl podcast now before we get started you know i can't do anything without thanking you all for listening out of the tens and thousands of podcasts that are in podcast land you choose to leave me your ears for about an hour or so once a week and i hella appreciate that i also hella appreciate my partner john aka john the third aka on instagram at l.a.jay underscore he had a beautiful song um, called All My Seeds, and that was a preview of the song that we used for this week's intro. I've never changed any of my intros ever, but I feel like this episode is very special, and I wanted to um, set the tone for what I think will be a great episode about reflection as well as celebration of an awesome, I mean, I'll say it, an iconic figure who whose life may have seen it being taken too soon, but he did so much on this earth. And I want to talk about some real life examples that I've witnessed publicly. I've never met Nipsey Hussle, but he's also been like a great example just to follow um, regardless in terms of entrepreneurship, ownership, and community involvement and activism. And I wanted to do this episode because I know a lot of my partners are going through it right now regarding processing his death and learning how to come to terms with it whether they knew him or not a lot of my male friends are going through it especially because they see a lot of themselves in Nipsey Hussle and I can see that because when you have a young black man that's making power moves and he's a real life king on the chessboard and he's really doing things with his money and his social status to uplift not only his financial status as a person but his community and he's doing things that people on YouTube tell people should do, but probably not doing themselves. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's, I'm saying that to say that he's more so about doing versus talking. And um, also transcending your circumstances to be the best that you can be and to go as far as you can before, um, before the inevitable happens, which is going to happen to all of us. But a lot of them are really upset because when you have a good person or a person doing good things, and a good person, whichever, you know, it's interchangeable to me. Because good people have to do good things in order to be good people. At least to me. And to see a person have so much potential and die, especially in the in the manner that Nipsey did, I can imagine that it has done a number on a lot of my homeboys in terms of them realizing their own mortal- mortality as well as feeling like there may be a sense of hopelessness or despair because you have somebody that did things right, but yet things still happen unfavorably. And I want to do this episode to help inspire them as well as 
myself and as well as other people because it's been a hard week. I'm not going to lie. Inspire people that to to make sure that we stay focused on the good things about Nipsey Hussle and not necessarily the thing that everyone's still talking about now. Understandably so. But it's easy to focus on one aspect of someone's life and forget about all the awesome things that he was able to accomplish while physically on this earth. So this episode will be about some of those lessons that I've learned as well as some self-care tips that I've noticed works for me when it comes to grieving. So the first example is to own your shit. Nipsey Hussle owned his masters. He was partnering with labels seemingly for distribution only. It seems like they couldn't touch his his work or his artists in their work. And that's very smart because sometimes when you are independent and then you partner with somebody, I think if I remember correctly, he partnered with Epic first and it didn't work. And then he, you know, you kind of build your own shit up without the help of somebody else. Sometimes people want to jump on ship and be a part of a movement that you've already created. And sometimes that's okay. And sometimes they're meant to serve a specific purpose and they're not meant to get in the way or interfere. So I think that this is a really good example of letting people assist you without putting their hands in the pot that you've already created in terms of, you know, cooking up some things. You know what I mean? So that was one thing I noticed. The second thing I noticed is don't sell yourself short. Crenshaw is my favorite album from Nipsey. I was actually fairly late to the Nipsey Hustle game. Um, from what I understand, he's been out since 2005. I didn't find Nipsey Hustle. I heard of him, but I wasn't a fan fan until like 2014. Me and you were going on a date. And he was playing Crenshaw, and I was like, yo, this is really dope. Who is this? And he was like, Nipsey Hussle. And I was like, what? I'll never forget it. Check Me Out was playing. And I was like, yo, this shit go. Like, this shit go. And I started researching more, and I found out he was selling a 1,000 copies of Crenshaw for $100. And I was like, yo, like, <laughs> no pun intended, but that man be hustling. Like, somebody finna buy it because usually, you know, if you got a loyal fan base that fuck with you, They'll support you. And I thought that was really dope <laughs> that he was changing the business model. And then he ended up following up with Mailbox Money. And then he sold 100 copies of that or was selling 100 copies of um, Mailbox Money for 1000 So I thought that was a really smart move on his end. I also thought that was a really good example of innovation, which is my next, um, my next lesson that I learned. So while he's changing his business model, he's setting the scale for scaling to level up because he ends up opening up marathon the clothing store over there on slossing and it's a clothing store that integrates with an app so you can download exclusive content so it, it still strengthens your fan base and it still is loyal to your fan base that really supports you especially those that support you monetarily and it allows them access to certain things and i think that was really really it was innovative like what rap artist you know that was charging that much money for a mixtape, number one? Or was charging anything like that? It wasn't typical, we're going to do a show, you're going to sell merch, you're going to sell albums. Like, that was a very calculated, strategic way to get them albums off. And the cold part was, those are for physical copies. It kind of reminds me of how when Prince 
I'm a Prince fan, obviously, but it reminds me of when Prince Prince fans and I had a conversation about why he was so different than the average artist on top of his musicality and things like that. But even with the way he did his own business, he was independent and he was selling his own stuff. It's to the point where if you missed out, your ass just missed out. If you didn't get it online through Prince's, um, through Prince's label directly, you just didn't have it. And if you were looking for it on eBay, it was going to cost you at least a hundred to three hundred dollars, whether records, CDs, tapes, the whole nine clothing. And we noticed that Prince ran his business kind of like art. Because the way society views art now is that art appreciates in value over time. And it becomes something that's exclusive that everybody doesn't have. And that's kind of how we assessed Prince in terms of how he changed the game when it came to independent business. And Nipsey did it in his own way with how he was able to do Victory Lap and Mailbox Money and ultimately Marathon. And the next lesson I learned is that community involvement is super important. I mean, you had Vector 90, you know what I'm saying? It's a community working space like we work. And you could have memberships, a daily pass, or short-term leases. So he basically was trying to do an incubation, um, or incubator, excuse me, for all business owners. So if you only had enough bread for a day, you could do it for a day. If you had enough for a month, you could do a month. If you actually needed a short-term lease, they had options too. And then in that same space, there was a STEM program for local children. And that's really important because being aware of what's going on in your community nipsey hustle at least saw that there was a gap in the pipeline in his own words between the education system and silicon valley and there wasn't a lot of of black people in those programs and he noticed that you have to get that that started at a certain age in order to prep them to be further um advanced as well as innovate technology because that's really what all of what technology is about it's about constant creation and innovation so he created something to create a space for these young kids who may have an interest in that but may not necessarily have access to the resources or may not be in schools that champion or foster those types of um children who have those types of gifts so i thought that was dope and then the most i don't want to say damning because i don't i don't want to say that but what's really fucked up about the way nipsey passed is that he was going to do something requiring change again. Like he just always stayed doing something positive. Meaning with the LAPD about trying to combat gang violence, it comes to a way for people to, to, you know, find healthy outlets and things like that. Like that's a real leader right there. And when I say leader, I hate when people compare him to other people because I feel like we're all one of ones. He is a one of one. He wasn't a Tupac. He wasn't a Malcolm. He was a Nipsey Hustle, and he did things in his own way. Inspiration is one thing, but we have to allow people to be who they are and and stand and live in their journey or be immortalized through their own journey and their own acts and deeds of service. And I feel like Nipsey Hustle deserves that type of respect. We all do, but especially especially somebody who just passed. He's, I mean, you know what I mean. Like that's. It's disrespectful to his legacy to compare him and say he was the next. No, he was who he was in that moment. He was himself. Another lesson I learned is that spreading your wings is a non-negotiable as evolvement is inevitable for progress. You can't. How do I want? I want to say this right. 
because I don't want to backtrack. I do believe in the phrase, you can't know where you're going unless you know where you've been. And I, I take that as you need to know who you are or what you came from in order to move forward. And I do believe that you can transcend the labels that you may have assigned to yourself or that society may have assigned to yourself. Um, in terms of him being a crip, yes, he, he will tell you all day in, in interviews that that's what he is. But at the same time, he was a rapper. And even then, he was a businessman. Then he is a father. Then he's a husband. Then he's a, a, a real estate. Like he's, he's like on the move, multiple properties. You know what I mean? Like he's a community leader. He's a figure. He's an institution. So you can transcend your circumstances and still be who you are, but do so many great things that it'll be damn near impossible just to tie you down to one label because you've done so many great multifaceted things for other people. So um, I just kind of, I just took from that, like, yo, like he really is a man of many, 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 many gifts. And none of us will be able to truly give it justice when it comes to, to, to trying to place a label. I really feel like labels are kind of, um, I feel like we, we should grow out of them. Cause I mean, we're such multifaceted complex beings to put one label on someone. And it, it, it's like fitting someone in a box. You know what I mean? Like people aren't just mothers. They're spirits having human experiences. They're lovers. They're nurturers. You know what I mean? Like it just goes so much deeper than just a label. But you can't transcend without evolvement. And evolvement comes through experiences and lessons and, and things like that. And I know some folks want to focus on him being a game member as something negative. But I feel like your experiences make you who you are. You know? So, I, I mean, why judge someone for that when they've done something good in the end? Another thing I learned is that the mission don't stop at death. Nipsey's physical shell is gone, but he sowed so many seeds, and it's it's very, very obvious and evident and crystal clear when you look at how many visuals that have been held for him, murals, love, how many people are upset and are grieving. We are all hurt. I just moved to LA six months ago, and the area that I'm most familiar with, that I do love the most, is South LA, and being in South LA a lot, you have no choice but to acknowledge and respect that Nipsey Hussle was, is, and will forever be a notable influence in this community. In this day and age, having community is very important. We live in a society where people really don't give a fuck. It's really about them, them only, their interests, and their success. And to have somebody come from an uh, um, impoverished area and still be about his brand, his success and his business and still come back and lift people up and hire felons who have difficulty getting jobs, give other people jobs in the area, have an investment in the future, the youth, have uh, an interest in business, bringing money to the area, buying plazas and stores. That's a mission. That's one hell of a mission. To be on. You know what I'm saying? You're a representative of the city and your neighborhood going to meet with LAPD. Like, that's a big ass fucking deal. Vir virtually online, even if you don't live in LA, there's so much game online that's from his mouth. There ain't no speculation needed, no interpretation needed. Like we trying to do now. This man gave you game 
from his mouth. There are countless hours of interviews. And I highly suggest you guys look into that when it comes to entrepreneurship, personal discipline, the will to succeed, how to stand out. There's so many things. Using your resources, accepting what you have in the moment and using that. This man knew how to shake. He knew how to make shit shake, as they say in Atlanta. And now that he's gone, it's very unfortunate. The physical part of him is gone. And I can only imagine what his family is going through. Because there's a father that's missing. There's a son, there's a brother, an uncle, a partner that's missing. But for us, those that did not know him well, there's so much to learn from him still. And I say my condolences to his family as well, as I can only imagine what they're going through. But for the rest of us out here, there's a lot that we can still continue to learn virtually. Y'all ever see those little puffy flowers? They look like weeds, but um, they grow every now and then. Um, in the summertime or spring or summertime. And they're like little dandelions. I think they're dandelions. And you know how when you pick them up and you try to blow all of them out, all the little, um, all the little seeds and everything? That one breath can carry so many seeds out in the air. And they'll tell them where they land so that they can sprout and grow again. That is what Nipsey Hussle did. So even though physically his breath is gone, he has sown thousands and thousands of seeds. And that's a beautiful thing. I don't know what his mission is. I'm not going to speculate on what it is. But what I can say is... There are so many people that are inspired to carry out that example. That whatever he was meant to do. Somebody, at least one person is going to carry that on in their own way, on their own mission. And that's beautiful. And I always say, usually I say, you know, we're we're all connected, but we're not compatible. But we definitely all are connected. And I think this is a good way for us to stay connected by taking some of those seeds from someone else's journey and mission and example and applying that to our own so we can not only again help ourselves but help the collective another thing i learned well i, I learned this from my father but nipsey also had an example of the solutions always being bigger than the problems the bite going to always be more than the bark. The walk going to always outweigh the talk. The flexing in the front and shit, that's cute. But are you about that action, though? Nipsey showed us what it was like to do. How important it is to be of action. How talk is really cheap. Again, go back to the interviews of him. There's so many where he talks about 
the person in terms of how to go about the, the mindset of a person to do what he does. Why everything is a marathon. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to be in it for the long haul. You got to commit. Like, there's there's countless interviews I've seen where Nipsey Hussle will be out here giving out the game. You feel me? That was low-key. Like, he's the most motivational, laid-back motivational speaker I've ever heard. On wax and off. But one thing you can take from anything is that that man was about that action, period. Another thing that I, I saw, a quote, and it said, for, it was from Rap Radar, and it was referring to Crenshaw and why he sold Crenshaw the way he did in terms of that business model. And it says, quote, the reason I chose to charge $100 each copy and only started with a thousand units is because I tailored making my music for those who are listening. It's not about stepping out of outside of what I'm known for in hopes of new discovery. What means less is fans that are better served, meaning he fucking with those that fuck with him. And that's the next lesson. Fuck with those that fuck with you. You can cast a net and get fish. But rather than be grateful for the fish you got, you rather set all those fishes free and cast out the net again, hoping you get more fish the next time around. And sometimes it doesn't work. And I think reciprocity is a beautiful thing. If people really genuinely support you and that's what you're known for, to alienate yourself for the sake of trying to find something new that may not stick and may not be loyal in the process alienating those that are loyal to you that may not be the best thing to do so that was another thing i learned in terms of really fucking with those that fuck with you and moving accordingly another lesson i learned is that collaboration is key i know sometimes everybody want to be self-made and shit like that but it's impossible to be self-made without some type of partnership in order to get you to where you are, unless you're just a plug, and I don't know anybody that's like that, whether it is famous or not. I don't, I've never seen anybody that just literally started everything by themselves, no help, no team, no right-hand man or woman, no advisor, no mentor, no nothing. I've never seen it. And um, with him, partnership was really important. Whether he was partnering up with other, you know what I'm saying, artists in his area, regardless of gang affiliation, he was collaborating, whether it was with Gary V and giving talks or David Gross for Vector 90 or even his brother. His brother was by his side from day one. You know what I'm saying? Helping. DJ Khaled on the real estate. You know what I'm saying? Like he stayed collaborating with people and partnership is important when it comes to building bridges that can sustain for a long time. Especially when it comes to community bridges. Especially when it comes to business ventures. That's important. Imagine what people can do if they partner up on business. $10,000 is, is a lot for one person. Split between five people is not so hard when it comes to investing in things like that. So that's another thing I learned. Collaboration is truly key. Competition is one thing, but collaboration is that deal. And the last lesson I learned is that life is too short to live in fear. And I know a lot of people probably are going to cringe when they hear that. Because a lot of people are realizing their own mortality when it comes to Nipsey Hussle. And the reason I think, and the reason is this something that I struggle with personally. 
I struggle with it because it makes you wonder about your own example. You have somebody that does everything right and then their journey on the physical plane ends in the manner that it did. And I know for my homeboys, especially my black homeboys, you know what I'm saying? Like black men already have it super hard out here. Their existence is a threat to people. Them living and breathing and living their lives and being out the way is a threat to some people. To the point where the system that we live in can help those people that are threatened do damn near anything to an innocent black man and get off. And it's fucked up. And sometimes you just want to see somebody that looks like you win. Just once. And black men being they've been getting it. They've been going, they've been going through it. They've been getting attacked all sorts of ways. There's been this weird narrative going around that black men are synonymous with toxic masculinity, and I don't think that's the case. There's select men of all races, black included, that be toxic as fuck. Yeah, that's real clear. But the kings in my life, I don't have that problem. So I'm not gonna say that cis hetero, you know what I'm saying, black men are savages or a problem or anything like that. I don't, I'm not going to judge a whole group and cast them aside because of some fucked up bad apples to other people as well as myself. Like I can say I've had better experiences with black men than experiences that were not so good with black men. So I'm not going to discount them for that. And it sucks because on top of them going through all of this, somebody that is an example of how to win, their representative is gone. And I know it can create feelings of hopelessness and despair. But then I think about my elders that I talk to. Some of them are doing well, all things considering. And some of them are not doing so well. With regarding, you know, like their health and, and things like that. And I always like talking to my elders because I always like getting perspective. Here I am going on the journey. And I'm in a certain phase of life. And there's a person who done did it all. Or so you think they have. But they've been on earth. Double, triple your lifetime. And. They'll tell me they lived a good life. But they'll say. The common thing I've noticed. Is that they say that something has been missing. There may have been something they wanted to pursue. And they just didn't do it. Because they were scared. For some elders. It was taking more of a stand and being more of a voice. They were scared because of the examples they saw. Some of their own nipsies or their own leaders were murdered. And for others, there was a fear of success. Not acting on some of the things they wanted to do because they were scared of what it would be like if it came true. For another elder, it was a fear of... Of not being a good mother or not being able to handle the responsibility of children that had her childless. And now she wishes that she had children and grandchildren to visit her. And every time I have a conversation like this with an elder that ends up telling me a regret that they may have had in their lifetime. They always follow it up with live your life. And don't be scared. 
What's inevitable is inevitable. But what we can do is do our absolute best while we're here. We can't control the inevitable. But again, we can control what we do while we're here. And why not go hard and explore everything with the curiosity of a child and really explore every opportunity that arises? If it's meant for us, it'll work. If not, it'll be a lesson. And we'll continue to align and move towards things that are meant for us. Free of fear, free of doubt. Free of lack of confidence. And we'll just be free to pursue. We need to live full lives while we're here. Because it is indeed short. One elder told me, 40 years went by in a blink of an eye. She was 40 getting the promotion. And she blinked her eye. Now she's 82. Retired. She's a great grandmother. She's like, wow, where'd the time go? And I'm thinking in my head, damn, how does 40 years pass? She's like, it's quick. So do all you can with it. So those are my Nipsey lessons. So now I want to move forward to some self-care tips that I've noticed that were for me while grieving. The irony in this whole timing situation was that I was going to do an episode about Aries season with my dog, Rome, from Dormtainment. Shout out to Rome. But the timing of, of doing that episode, I didn't think was appropriate. And I really wanted to do an episode that could hopefully instill some type of hope in someone that is feeling lost because of Nipsey's passing or may feel triggered from a loss that they may not have gotten closure from. So with my own personal situation, my sister passed away of cancer a long time ago and her birthday is the 30th of March. And um, I thought everything, the timing was just kind of odd. And I said, well, you know what? Maybe I feel like I should I should share my own tips. And I'm not saying that I'm a professional. The only thing I'm a professional at is my own experience. So I'm only telling you what works for me. This may work. This may not work. But I just rather put it out there. So if it's received by somebody, they don't have to feel so um, confused in terms of feeling like there's lack of options. Maybe they can consider what works for them and take it from there. So the first thing I learned in self-care is taking space after you grieve. And when it, even when it's grieving a person, you can also grieve relationships. You can grieve former incarnations of who you were as you grow on this journey. Um, especially when you start to awaken yourself. Like when you start to realize that certain things are the way they are and you can't be as blind to the ignorance like you used to be. You have to really start holding yourself accountable and have to start shedding things that aren't you anymore. And that is a form of grieving. You can also grieve jobs, um, friendships. You can grieve damn near anything. Anything that you have to physically detach from and like really move forward from or, or break or dissolve. That's that's a form of grief to a degree. And with that being said, I take space. Now, if you got a mama like mine, mama homegirl, if I don't hit her in two days, she automatically hit me up like, you good? So I know people try to say, oh, you don't owe anybody anything. Just take your space. But for me, I'm like to avoid being bothered down the line by people because they genuinely worried about you. Just go ahead and give them the hands up that you're going to need some time. And they'll understand. They'll leave you alone and give you your space. Another tip I noticed is don't be afraid to ask for help. When my sister passed away, I was a recluse for three months, literally recluse. You had to damn near pull up on me or drag me out of the house to do basic shit. 
hang out at your house, go to the store, go eat dinner with you. Like I really was not trying to be around people and it wasn't that I didn't want to be around people because honestly I needed somebody to hug and maybe a shoulder to cry on or someone to vent to and I didn't feel I had that because of my own fucked up way of thinking. Even though I had a tribe, I didn't want to be a burden on my tribe. I didn't want to come off like I was bothering people. So I silently suffered when there were people that really were like, yo, I would have been there for you if you would have told me. People aren't mind readers, y'all. So when we need help, we have to ask. Or else we're going to unfairly put people in a situation as well as ourselves where we resent people for not being there when they asses didn't know that they were needed. Another time people, they don't, they don't ask for help because they're scared to be vulnerable. And I know that sometimes people are scared to be vulnerable because they think it's a weakness. Sometimes people don't want to be vulnerable because they don't trust you or they don't trust themselves to be vulnerable because they were taught that being vulnerable is wrong. So again, don't be afraid to ask for help. If your tribe is truly your tribe and they have space for you and they don't have any other issues going on that might inhibit their ability to help you, it shouldn't be a problem for your tribe to help you. And if it is, that may not be your tribe. There may be something to consider. Another thing I do is I clean. Sometimes I clean literally, like clean, like physically scrub and shit like that and clean. But what I mean is I cleanse energetically. I clean. I love Palo Salto. I love Florida water. I love other things. And you can look up ways to smudge or cleanse your space. But remember, this is your journey and your way of doing things. You create the ritual. You create the practice and go with with what's true to you. So that's one thing I do. I also reflect. And if there's some habits that I need to keep it 100 with on myself that I might have been bullshitting on because of whatever, then I keep it real. You know what I'm saying? And when I say keep it real, I mean I, I write it down or I reflect or I think about it or I meditate on it. And I'm like, yo, okay, this is some bullshit. I'm ready to face it and I'm ready to let it go. It doesn't serve me. Usually when I'm grieving through something, some of those things come to the surface anyway to where I don't have a choice but to deal with it. So if that's you, my advice to you is don't run. Because at some point, you're going to have to deal with it at some point. I feel like the longer you resist, the more things start to happen to you that kind of force you to stop resisting what you were supposed to go through. At least for me, when I try to avoid the universe and God's, God's plan and everything like that, my life gets harder. Things get much harder for me. And sometimes it takes that happening for me to be like, oh, I'm tripping right now. Let me start. Let me, matter of fact, let me release these feelings and then let me go with the flow. That control freak shit will have you losing every time. It's one thing to be in control, but to be a control freak, nitpicking, like spazzing panic attacks, anxiety over every single thing that is not going your way, that's going to be a stressful life. So going with the flow and learning how to let go and trust something other than yourself that's bigger than you, that's something that's helped me on the journey. And ever since I found that out, life has gotten so much easier for me. And in terms of reflecting and things like that, another thing I do is I go to the beach. The beach is my favorite place to ground. I love outside. I love hiking up mountains. I, I mean, I told you I was working on cliffs like three months ago, <laughs> 2,000 feet in the air. Um, but overall, was it Eagle Rock? Yeah, but I do that. I go to the forest. You know, like 
God is everywhere. That's so dope. You know what I mean? Like God is to me. I think I think God is in everything. God is in the trees that sway in the breeze. God is the waves of the ocean that come by and, and lap at your feet. God is the sunshine that shines down on you. God is the rain that washes away everything on the earth. God is a smile in a child's face or a laugh in a child. You know what I mean? Like I've seen a video of children laughing and I just can't help but giggle because that's so awesome. Children are little God nuggets. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But that's what I'm saying. Like God is literally everything. An exhale after a long day that makes you feel better. It takes the weight off of your shoulders. That's God to me. God is a connection of knowing that you enjoy someone's company and they pour into you the way you pour into them. That's God to me. So find God, however you are able to find God to help you get some self-care in. Because even when I say I find God in everything, I find God in myself too. Sometimes you got to align your inner God with your outer God in order to center. For me, that that's how it works for me. Again, you're going to figure out what works for you in your own experience. But I'm just giving you things that I've I've encountered that work on my experience. So. Also, be mindful of what you consume, whether it's food, drugs, program, music, even conversations of who you deal with. Be mindful of who's around and what's around. The subconscious is very real. I know we act like we don't we don't give it credit. It's probably because we don't realize how powerful it is when it comes to um, affecting how we operate. We think we got 100 percent conscious control, but we don't. And when we are consuming so many pieces of information the shit that we think we reject, sometimes it's retained and it manifests in how we view things and how we act. So just please keep that in mind. Social media breaks are damn near necessary for me. If I'm going through something, ain't going to be no social media time. I'm going to get off. Once I realize that the algorithms choose content for you and essentially reprogram you on top of your programming that you already have done after deprogramming from what didn't work, I think that's counterproductive. If you like one video that's some bullshit, all it's going to do is show other bullshit on your feed or explore page. YouTube is like that too. You watch three or four trash TV videos, all your shit that's going to be suggested for you is going to be trash TV and drama. Don't nobody got time for that. So take a break. Also, another thing I do is I show love and I give flowers. I'm a big I love you person. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I will tell you I love you. You will never not know where you stand with me and I think that's important I would never want to feel and I know this happens sometimes and it's a regret and I've been there before but I would never at this stage in the game I never want to feel like I didn't do my part to tell someone how I felt about them while they were here to know and I think with our society being I don't know we're weird (laughs) like we don't do the dope shit for people until after they pass when they hear it's just like oh whatever they hear existing okay cool whatever here's a cookie but then when they're gone all of a sudden it's oh they were so this that and the other and i know for my loved ones i don't i don't i don't want to do that i want to give them all the love all the good vibes anything that i can do for them i want to be able to lay everything out on the table so if i leave or if they leave there is no question of my love for them. I remember telling the guy once. And I liked him. I told him I loved him. And it wasn't romantic. 
It was like, hey, like I really enjoy the value you bring to my life in any capacity. And regardless of how this ends, I love you for that. Ain't about, oh, we done fucked a few times and I love you. I got feelings for you. No, it's I've learned a lot from you and I will carry these lessons with me forever. And I'll cherish those memories because this is a great part of my life and you bring me joy. I find joy in our connection and I love you for that. And he was so freaked out because he was used to women telling him they loved him in terms of being, you know, whipped and things like that, you know, super emotionally invested on a romantic level. He freaked out and I had to explain to him that it wasn't that kind of love. And it took him a minute to come around to it, but he understood. And he was like, you know what? I love you too, Maria. And we are still friends to this day. You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of shit is dope to me. So I spread love and I show love and I give my flowers to my loved ones. It makes me feel good. Also, I like to serve. When my spirit is low, I serve. I like to serve anyway, but especially when my spirit is low, I serve. It puts me in a position of gratitude. And from what I'm learning on this this 21-day meditation challenge is that gratitude puts you in a position to receive grace. It's like a cycle. You give gratitude, receive grace. Give gratitude, receive grace. And I serve because I'm honored to be on the journey every day, learning something new. It's a big-ass adventure. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy as fuck to be here. I'm happy as hell to figure out my mission and help people as well as learn and explore things about myself and discover things that make me happy and discover ways I can help. That automatically puts me in gratitude mode. So when I serve, I'm like, man, thank y'all for letting me serve. When somebody says, thank you for your help. No, thank you for allowing me to even be here. It makes me so happy. That's what I did on Monday. I already was going to do it on Monday. But with Nip's passing on Sunday, I was in my feelings. I was fucked up about this shit. Hearing sirens and helicopters for three nights straight, damn near, will, will remind you of the reality of what's going on. And it'll force you to get in your feelings and, and, and think and, and, and kind of almost consume yourself in the cause of death instead of the celebration of life and all the things that he's done. So what I did on that Monday is I went to an HIV center and I served. I gave time and energy and love. And that makes me feel good. And for those who are curious and know how to serve. There's two ways that I figured out what I wanted to do. I set two columns on a piece of paper. Column A and column B. Column A was things that I was good at naturally like skills and then column b was things that made me happy that could probably use those um those skill sets and i drew a line to whatever was compatible and research organizations from there the second thing it's fairly easy if you have an idea of what you want to do but if you have certain causes that pull at your heartstrings and you want to be active and, and volunteer your time and energy you can just research based on that like with brown girl green with um Christy. Christy realized that the environment was really a passion of hers. So she ended up joining groups and things like that. And now she has her own platform where she educates people from a um from a person of color perspective about environmental importance, especially environmental racism. For me, I love cooking. I love the soup kitchen. In college, all I did was volunteer at soup kitchens. Enjoyed the hell out of it. It was awesome. I still would do that now, if able to. I did Meals on Wheels in Atlanta. Same thing. 
Some people may have a passion for children, investing in children's education and future. You can volunteer after school programs, YMCAs. Some people are more of an awareness standpoint. Some people may want to educate about plant-based living, holistic diets, the importance of, you know, being sexually responsible. There's so many things that we can do. Mentoring. If you are good at tech, you can mentor kids in tech. If you're good at advice, you can counsel people in your community. There's so many things that we can do for free to help enrich other people's lives and in the process, enrich ourselves. And the last lesson I learned is that if none of this works or if you can't seem to process or get it together or it just seems so confusing or it's stressful or you start to think that you want to harm yourself and other people, seek professional help. There's nothing wrong with having a therapist. When my sister passed away, I was in therapy for a whole year. I was in therapy actually before that, like six months before that because of how her... um, how her sickness um, progressed. So when I found out, I put myself in therapy immediately. And after that, I put myself, well, I continued in therapy a year after. And if anything's ever popped up that wasn't cool in my life, I've gone to therapy because we need coping mechanisms. And sometimes we're not equipped with the ability to do so. And to try to thug it out and figure it out, knowing that you may need help, that doesn't disservice to us in the long run. We can try to figure it out all day, but if we're hurting ourselves and other people in the process, let somebody that knows what they're doing help you, bruh. It's nothing wrong with getting professional help. We're all here to help each other. We all have different gifts. Infinite possibilities can come from the utilization of everyone's gifts. If only we knew that. So those are my tips for self-care. But that has been this week's episode of the Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you need to find me, you can do so at spiritualhomegirl.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at spiritualhomegirl2. New moon in April is today. Hope you guys are setting your intentions and writing things down and um, feeling the spirit of initiation in action. Um, as we have one great example to look for as someone who is... Um, who's recently ascended he was i mean there's so much game so many interviews man like i highly suggest just immerse yourself in that if you ain't got nothing to do or you listening to something in the car cut on one of those interviews i guarantee you will learn at least one lesson not even just about entrepreneurship and, and things like that or community um involvement or cooperative economics like even just personal things you can learn from that it's really special um but but if if you have a friend, and I'm going to say it like I did on my Instagram post, if you have a friend, particularly a black male friend that is going through it, let them know. Don't pressure them to talk. Don't force them to express their emotions. Just hold space for them and let them know, hey, I'm here for you. Whenever you're ready, I'm here. And to those who are feeling repressed, please understand, the way I look at being emotionally impressed is like, being a Coke bottle. You can shake a Coke bottle up. but that's, And those contents are going to be under pressure. But at some point that bottle is going to explode. And that's what it's like to be emotionally repressed. So if you're feeling that way. Please find a way. To. Express yourself. And understand that there are people who care. And there are people who want to. See you succeed. And see you. 
overcome. And that there are people who love you, who have faith in you, who know that you can do great things. So um, I just want to share that bit of love with you. And if you are a black man in Los Angeles, Will Work for Food is doing a forum from 12 to 2 on this Saturday. And um, I highly suggest you go to the Instagram account black.man.now and RSVP. It's a safe space for black men in order to express their emotions regarding our brother Nipsey's passing. So, um, so yeah. But remember, y'all, death is never an easy thing to, to deal with, whether it's from someone you know or, or a hero of yours. But remember that we can always celebrate all the awesome things they've done on this earth. And we can use their example to continue sprouting seeds in the midst of sowing our own. So with that being said, my name is Maria. This has been another episode of the Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. I love you all. And remember, trust the journey and trust yourself. Peace.